0: Welcome to Advent Next, a place where we hold life and faith discussions with experts and PhD professors about theology, psychology, and matters related to our walk of faith. Today, we have the privilege of having Dr. David and Dr. Beverly Sedlacek, co-founders of Into His Rest Ministries and authors of the book, Cleansing the Sanctuary of the Heart, Trauma, whether it be sexual abuse, addiction, domestic violence, dysfunctional family dynamics, or childhood woundings, all deeply affect our walks of faith. And yet, they're often treated as taboo subjects in our churches. So today, we're going to discuss how trauma affects our walk of faith, and why leaders should encourage environments that can better facilitate the healing journey. So let's get started. We're so glad to have you guys here today, and uh, I have a a co-host today, LaToya Wright. Hi. How's everybody
1: today? Hi. Great. And
0: can you guys introduce yourself?
1: Go ahead, honey. Uh, I'm Dr. Beverly
2: Sidlachek. And I'm David (laughs) Sodlachek.
0: We're so glad to have you here today. And so today we're going to be talking about a book that you guys both co-wrote, Cleansing the Sanctuary of the Heart, Tools for Emotional Healing. And I think this is a really important topic for the church because sometimes, especially if we're studying theology, we can get a little heady about uh, what we know and not really transform that into our actual lives. And before we get started, tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you got started into this project.
1: Well, I'd like to start by saying I am um, coming from a dysfunctional family. I always wanted to um, understand uh, my brokenness. Uh, it's, it's some level on the back of my head. And so... Um, uh, getting pregnant at 13 and having a baby at 14 certainly uh, was a life-changing experience. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to college, to um, uh, nursing, to be a nurse. And when I hit the nursing rotation um, of uh, psychiatry, uh, I felt like I landed. I finally had some answers to um, some questions that I always had, that, and even questions I didn't know I had. And so that started me on this search of trying to understand uh, how uh, my life was shaped and and who I had become. And uh, when I met David, I had no idea that uh, God had plans for us to join forces to do that. Mm -hmm. And so as we uh, began married life, and I thought it was going to be white picket fence and, you know, the typical American dream, but God had other plans. And uh, as he began helping us to um, really take our training and strip it of all things that weren't from him, and then um, to add things that were from him we started seeing results in our own lives and then in the lives of people we were just casually at some point sharing with and then more formally and um, then it was off to the races
0: wow yeah. that's fantastic yeah. mm-hmm. and you guys just celebrated a 33 year anniversary is yes that correct,
2: correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 well let me let me just jump yeah. in a little bit um <clears throat> prior to meeting beverly i um was a professional social worker. I'd already gotten my doctorate in social work, and and was operating at a professional level, and and um, and then I'd just gone through a divorce myself, mm-hmm. and and so I was operating at, at this you know a very high level of professionalism. But when I met Bev and um, and became a Seventh Day Adventist as a result of that, um, God kind of took me out of that professional stream of of achievement and took us out to the woods. And it was out in the woods mm. on 30 acres in rural Ohio that God retrained us. Wow. wow. And a lot of what he did, you know, we did some reading and so forth and studying that way, but a lot of it was through the clients that he sent. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not that our professional training was was bad, but that... One thing that God has done is given us an ability to integrate right. our faith into our practice, and and so, in in our book, what we've tried to do is integrate our faith and practice in in very real ways, so that people have biblical tools for emotional healing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've we've learned, you know, by being a part of professional Christian organizations that that do this kind of work is we learn that the earlier in life a person addresses their issues the better yes in other words you know for young people you know whatever you don't address as a young person is going to continue affecting you into your adulthood affecting your your physical health your emotional health even your behavioral health in terms of you know substances or alcohol, drugs, whatever, even suicide thoughts and attempts, we know that they're highly correlated with childhood abuse. And so what we've tried to do is is to create a, a vehicle by which people can begin honestly embracing their lives. Because for me, I, I too was raised in a dysfunctional family, but for a lot of years, I was wearing rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean the messages I got is you have to be perfect and you can't you can't feel and all this, you know, the, the stuff of your family. And because I was not able to to look at that honestly, I was in denial and I was living dysfunctionally, not even knowing I was living dysfunctionally. And so I had to begin embracing the truth about my dysfunctional family in order to to heal from the effects and to move forward in, into a healing journey. Mm-hmm. And so this book kind of encapsulates a lot of our own journeys uh, for our personal healing mm-hmm. that we're still on, by the way. Yeah. We're still mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Like Paul says, it's not as if I've attained, but mm-hmm. I'm pressing forward mm-hmm. still toward the mark of the high calling. So Wow. So that's, that's yeah. a little bit of the background from my perspective.
0: Thank you for, for sharing that. And, yeah. and Latoya, tell us a little bit about yourself because I brought you on as a special guest today because you've done some <laughs> talks in this area. Yeah. Um, again,
3: it's life story and um, trying to figure out the why has probably been my journey. Mm-hmm. Why certain things happen to me. Um, Uh, Sexual abuse as a child and and going into very destructive behavior, Mm. trying to mask the pain or figure it out. And um, I had so many questions and was going about answering those questions in the only way I thought I knew how, even though I knew it wasn't right. But somehow God had... um, in his in his mercy and I believe part of the plan to work all things together for a good mm-hmm. um, put certain people in my lives and experiences and miracles in my lives where I realized that wait a minute this is there's something else going on here and um, then having the ability or I think the gift of communication that he gave me to explain what I was going through through and through counselors and and so forth and reading the word, I realized that I wasn't alone in my experiences and that if I can help someone see that they're not alone, that um, it would help maybe deviate someone from committing suicide when you think that it's just you and it's just you in this black Um, and also to show how God had been with me even though yeah. I was going through all of that. So a lot of pain, a lot of what was echoed here, dysfunctional family not knowing, not knowing about those generational cycles yeah. that just mm-hmm. um, just continue. And then I have three children, and I'm a, a two-time divorcee. And for me, the legacy I wanted to leave for my children was not that. Mm. And so I had to figure out some kind of way to break those cycles, I have two girls and a boy. So I didn't want either one of them to feel it was okay that this is what life was supposed to be or about. And if, if they went through something similar to that, that they know that it's not the end. Hmm. So to start equipping with tools. So my, my journey has been to acquire tools, as many tools as I can, to help combat the effects of um what i've been through so um i've just been blessed with platforms to share my story Mm -hmm. and now at the seminary incorporate this spiritual training so that i can mesh the two together to show it it happens but there's a god
0: who has a plan and so that's yeah that's why i'm here and, and I think, you know, as, as a church and as a body, we have to start recognizing, you know, that our members are dealing with yeah. trauma. There's very probably, I'm speculating, but I think there's very few families uh, that really grow up in an ideal setting. I mean, we're always carrying some kind of baggage with right. us. And how do you how do you really address that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think, I think your uh, assumption is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's plenty of research Um That speaks to, you know, the fact that we all have, um, you know, even our expectations as children can be a source of disappointment and even trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, the impact, not intent, needs to be sorted out. So Mm -hmm. our parents uh, impact upon us. Uh, is vital to understand and uh, not that they intended to hurt us but the impact
2: mm. certainly has impacted it has hurt us mm. and from a, kind of a biblical lens if we take a look at this trauma and brokenness it's all the result of sin mm-hmm. I mean look what happened in the garden you know soon afterwards we had the you know Cain killing Abel mm-hmm. in, in their own family and, and we had the beginning of shaming and diminishment and hiding and all of those things, which never were a part of the world before sin, yeah. And so, all of this brokenness—that's why I, I would agree that none of us have escaped that entirely.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I think that there's there tends to be a skepticism, though, a little bit in, within churches about uh, you know going to counseling or a certain kind of like a biblical psychology. And I think we get it from both sides. We get it mm-hmm. from the secular community. I'm sure is like. Don't bring the Bible into psychology and the healing, and the church is like, uh, you know, you shouldn't be going to these counselors. Like, what would you say to those people who are who are, you know, having skepticism about that type of therapeutic work that I think needs to happen?
2: Yeah, uh, I think, you know, kind of from a from our our faith perspective. Mm. Um, we, we look forward to the soon coming of Jesus. And many people conclude from that that we don't have to deal with all the psychology right. stuff. Right. You know, just, you know, get ready for Jesus to come and he'll take care of all that afterwards. And, and what I like to think is that Jesus is going to come for people who have addressed their issues. I mean, he's going to come for everyone. He, he takes us where we are. But those who are really going to be strong in the last days before he comes, in my view, are going to be people who have been courageous people, who have had the courage to address um, their issues and to grow beyond their fear into what the Bible calls perfect love, which is that selfless love. And it's hard to grow into selfless love when you're a broken person and you're just right. trying to survive. Right? You know, It's all about you when you're trying to survive. So you're living by fear. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was... Fear of not being perfect, not being good enough. That works-oriented way of living, and and thank God he's moving me out of that.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, and I also would like to address it from the point of view that psychology is, which um, really uh, found a great definition years ago, It's the study of the soul. And who best knows the soul, and best understands the soul, uh, but God. And uh, I think as Christians, we sometimes have pigeonholed God into, you know, just being a spiritual being. But uh, it's his spiritual nature. Um, we have that, but we also are physical and spiritual and emotional. And so how this comes together to make who we are, God certainly understood it and wants to address it. And so. Uh I, I love that idea that he is the creator of the soul. Mm-hmm. So because he is the creator of the soul, we need to go to him and try to understand what his plan is to redeem these messed up souls.
3: Yeah. So would you agree then, because um, in, in, in hearing what um, how you two have presented this, um, what was jumping in my mind is that this is exactly why we need more from the platform and church, I don't want to say programs, but, you know, in the, the health of the church. Um, speaking, from, speaking of pain, addressing pain, um, and, and yes, prophecy is important and so forth, but you cannot comprehend it or even be joyous about prophecy when pain is killing you at this point. And it just seems that either we don't know how to do that because we may not have addressed our own, the shame that may come in with saying that I've had this experience, and especially from the pulpit, you know, the perfectionist
0: yeah, high uh, expectations mentality of what you are, yeah, that
3: you're supposed to have done this thing already and not, you know, not saying that I'm going through, but not but understanding the power of un- vulnerability, even from the pulpit, so that a people can see, that we've all been touched by this thing called sin. It started in heaven, it's this dysfunction. And, and that we're all in this journey together. And this God of soul, who we need to address his creation, has the plan for us. It's in the word. And so preaching from that foundation so that people can understand, this is not just me coming to hear a message, but... I may be in this
1: message Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's uh, so do you agree? Oh yeah Yeah. I I like to think um, uh, the idea that you know um, Bible prophecy and and uh, scripture appeals to left brain my cognitive Mm -hmm. uh, part of who I am Uh, I'm wounded experientially Mm -hmm. and so wounding happens experientially and there must be an experiential element to healing and so you know appealing just to my left brain doesn't cut it Mm -hmm. and so and and the other piece that that the essential effort essence is uh, all these questions we have about God that we really don't yeah. know that we have right. permission to ask right. and you know what were you doing where were you when all right. these terrible things were right. happening and can you be trusted and are you all that mm-hmm. and those are the real essence uh, the questions uh, are the real essence of where we live, and so you're telling me about the prophecy doesn't get those questions, yeah. or even bring them to the surface and allow me to wrestle with them.
2: Well, and, and I also I think your your point is such a good one too because we need to create safe churches mm. for people. I mean, if indeed our churches are meant to be hospitals for the sick, you know, for the sin sick souls. We need to have ways of ministering to them beyond just preaching a nice sermon or, or preaching the kinds of sermons that really speak to people's hearts. And, and so, I mean, how many of us, for example, when we go to church, um, have a safe place in which to say, you know, pray for me because I'm struggling with pornography. Right. You know, which is what, you know, 60 to 70% of Christian men do. Yeah. And 30 to 40% of Christian women, by mm-hmm. the way, these days, mm-hmm. the numbers are going up. Mm-hmm. Or pray for me because I'm depressed and thinking of committing suicide. Right. Or how many do, you know, when someone just says happy Sabbath, you know, and we say happy Sabbath back when we're really dying inside because we're not able to be open and vulnerable and really share in safe places. So I think we need mm-hmm. to be very intentional. That's not going to happen by itself. Mm-hmm. Right? We have this this big push against that and we need to be intentional about creating small group ministries, you know, recovery ministries, 12-step programs which there are in the church, by the way, we need to incorporate these things in with with great intention, and and by doing so, minimize a lot of the judgmentalism mm-hmm.
1: yeah. that
2: we tend to still see um, in our in our church families
0: and, and the stigmatization of of certain things. I think, yeah, that's absolutely a great yeah. point about mm-hmm. you know, there's such a you know a, a perfectionistic you know, we don't see the church as a church for sick people; we see it as a church for to dress up in your best and to put on your best face. And we should be already there. But to really kind of create an environment of vulnerability is is very important. So I want you to kind of follow up with like what you guys wrote this book and it's amazing. I've been reading through it and you guys bring up some pretty excellent points. What are some of the things that you feel like you would want someone to walk away with? Like if they only had access to this and they they're really wrestling with some of, you know, former hurt and they haven't really addressed it. What are some things you're like I really want them to hear this from this book?
2: Well, to me, the center of healing is Jesus. Mm. I want I want people to see and experience Jesus. And so when I look at at his life, for example, he suffered the same kinds of things that that I'm suffering. You know, he was physically abused. Yes. He was emotionally and verbally abused. Even the circumstances of his birth were brought up and used against him, you know, considered to be a bastard child. He he was even sexually abused. I mean, if you really take a look at at you know the beatings, and even when he was hanging on the cross, he didn't have that little loincloth loin right. covering him. He was totally exposed, you know, before everyone. and so and so he has been touched with the feelings of my infirmities. Mm. He knows personally what it's like to go through them. And so I can find healing by identifying with Jesus. But the other really cool thing, according to Isaiah 63, 9, is that in all of my suffering, he also suffered. In other words, whatever I went through, I was never alone. He was always right there with me in the journey. And and the other thing about it is, in all my suffering, he suffered. But when I suffer, what I tend to do is protect myself to keep it from hurting so bad. But when Jesus was right there suffering with me, I don't think he protected himself to keep himself from feeling the full extent of the abuse that I was suffering. So therefore, I can identify him in both ways. I can identify with him as one who in his own life suffered greatly, even pain far greater than perhaps I'll ever be asked to suffer. But also in the second way in that when I was suffering, he was right there with me. Therefore, he has a story about my story. And I want to learn about his story as he experienced my story. And, and then what, what, that hap- what happens then is we come close together in this beautiful experience together of, of a healing ministry mm-hmm. in our journey with each other. So it's all about Jesus, not just in theory, but it's about Jesus experientially. And, and God has led us to learn how to do what we call inner healing prayer ministry, where someone may have a very painful memory, and how to invite Jesus to come right into that story so that person can experience Jesus mm-hmm. in that very place mm-hmm. of pain and be encouraged to know, number one, that they weren't alone. And then to experience a word from Jesus or a healing touch from Jesus, whatever they whatever they need, whatever they're ready to allow him to do. I would want people to take away two points. One being probably the
1: foundational point that that God is love mm. and I, my experience looking back on my experience, especially from a human perspective, um I, you know, it doesn't always feel or look like he was loving and kind, mm-hmm. but he was. And uh, he he created, uh, he gave me the right to choose. He values it so much that he will not violate it even to heal me. And so he died for my right to choose, knowing that I would even... Um, choose to not accept him and that that is just incredible Mm -hmm. and so the to really understand how all of the history of the world and all of our experiences and his involvement is all weaved in love Mm -hmm. and that that's just that's what I want people to really walk away with and the second point is that God is not about redeeming my past Nope, he's not about resolving my past. He's about redeeming my past, mm-hmm. and uh, and so in, uh, I'm never going to get resolution. You know, I, I too was sexually abused, uh, Latoya, and so it's never going. It, that's my experience. Yeah. It's not going to be wiped out. It's not going to go away, but there is redemption there and in that redemption I can see a future that is not shaped by my past and so that that to me um you know as I walk people and come alongside people on the journey of healing I I want those two points to really in addition to what David has said those are the points I would want people to walk away with yeah I
0: think those are are pretty you know essential points yeah yeah, and, and, you know, it's it, I think,
3: again, it leads to that headspace where you don't have much space to get into the person's head. And so if, if you have that one opportunity to get through them for some seed to plant, this is, it's powerful. Because at the end of the day, we feel that we may be just circulating around in our situation. There's no landing plane. We're just caught up in this tornado of everything that's going on. So what was done to me and how I'm responding to it, and then how I'm being treated because of it, um, and the repercussions of the choices that I'm making because of it. So there's, there's no home base, but given an option to choose a home yes. base that I may not even know existed right. in my plane. Yes, It's like, oh, there's something else. That I can choose to do. Yes. Just having those three points. Yes. Um, can be the one life-saving net for someone who can't figure it out yet. Yes. But knowing there is okay, there's an option of Jesus, and then the other options. I can choose. I can choose him. Yes. And I can choose redemption over resolution. Yes. I think it it starts the healing in itself because I'm sitting here with chills. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, um, this redemption resolution thing. It may not be solved, but there could be a new beginning over it, and here's the choice for it. So it is phenomenally powerful and can allow someone to say, I can just take one breath and choose one thing and start it. So thank you. That was beautiful.
2: And and to know that other people have walked this journey before me and that they can mentor me That they can, that they that they're willing to listen to my story, Mm -hmm. and just in listening to someone's story, there's tremendous healing. If that was the only thing we learned or taught our people to do, how to listen empathically with their total selves, their their Mm -hmm. all their attention to someone who's sharing their broken story, and to Mm -hmm. see love in your face and acceptance, you know where you feel shame and Mm -hmm. self condemnation. Oh, I mean, that just in and of itself brings about tremendous healing. And we need to teach our churches how to do that.
0: I think listening, like you said, is a really key point because so many times people will share something that was so deeply hurtful or so deeply traumatic and. They don't get an appropriate response. What what would you say to those who are saying, I don't know how to be a good listener? Like, what are some skill sets that people can practice so that they can really be there for the person uh, when they are sharing some of these moments?
1: I have to chuckle because um, I think all all, um, attempts to be of support to somebody else starts with being of support to you Mm -hmm. uh i can be so dissociated and so disconnected from myself and my story i'm not going to be able to connect to yours and Mm -hmm. and connect with you Uh, in fact i'm going to discourage you trying to connect with yours myself Mm -hmm. And, and so it has to be, uh, it has to start with me. I have to be willing to confront my pain and to stand in the rawness of my own pain. And then as you stand there, because um, you resonate with me and I resonate with you. I can connect with you. But if I haven't done that, um, it's been said that as a counselor, I can only take people as far as I've gone. That mm-hmm. is so true. I mean, I can't take people any farther than where I've been willing to go. So if you're coming in talking about daddy issues and I haven't touched my daddy issues, I'm not going to be able to help you. I mean, I'll be able to hear your words and it'll sound like blah 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 blah, but I won't be able to help you. And so so uh, I know that has been an impetus for me many times. To, I need to really address some of my issues because I'm missing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't taken care of my own house, and I can't help mm-hmm.
2: you. Wow. And, and I want to be, <laughs> as a listener, an empathic witness. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what that means for me is, is that I have the capacity to actually feel you mm-hmm. and see you that it's not just a conversation between two heads, but that when you're sharing your heart, mm-hmm. it's touching my heart. Mm-hmm. And in response, you experience and feel my heart of empathy towards you. And so a part of listening means any distractions, I'm going to put them away. No cell phone interruptions. No, you know, I want my head space to be here as if you're the only person in the whole world right now I think that's the way God listens to us. He does. Yeah. And, and so I want to be able to reflect him so well that 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 I can be that for you. So and so, you know, there's a difference between looking at someone mm-hmm. and seeing someone. Mm-hmm. And when I see someone, I'm looking just beyond your face. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking into you. And 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 so that kind of Exclusive listening to that person to me conveys their importance, conveys their value, and and so that's that's the kind of listening that I I try to do. Wow! Mm-hmm.
0: Any that that that's I think you nailed it. You know, like both of you, how do you be an empathetic witness? Uh, you know, to do what Christ does, and also how do you be in touch with your own stuff because mm-hmm. you you cannot. Uh, uh, you know you will discourage other people from going on that journey if you yourself are not willing to look at it it's too ugly it's too painful you're like i don't want you to go there right now and so just being self-aware i think is a a huge part do you have any follow follow follow-up thoughts last thoughts on this latoya no i mean it's it's it's
3: just given the the key components to begin the emotional healing relationships is important we're not silos and um just knowing that so many people long to have someone to just literally say, I not just understand, but I know what you're going through. Yeah. And just to give them that space, whether to release the tears that someone gets me, um, can just be the foundation for us to begin having healthy churches. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and knowing not to be afraid of each other. We're just We're just so afraid of each other because of that. We haven't dealt with it. And the fact that you're going through it may be triggering me. And I'm not going to deal with it, but how many people will stay within our churches and communities if they just knew that relationships was prioritized to help each other maneuver through life's Mm. journey? So I'm just I'm really grateful that um, you're you're sharing and. Not particularly exactly because you went through those experiences, but that there is um, there is beauty coming from those ashes yeah. yes. right. that you experienced and that you're willing to share with with right. all of us. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing your experience and and helping to facilitate some of the healing conversations that we need to have. That's it for part one, but we hope you stay tuned for next week, where we will continue to discuss emotional healing and why it is crucial for churches to obtain the necessary tools and resources resources for addressing trauma and the road to healing. We want to thank our guests Dr. David and Dr. Beverly Sedlicek for joining us today. As always, we appreciate your feedback. If you have any suggestions for future programming, please leave it in the comment section below. Have a blessed day and see you next time.